Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello there, I'm Ryan Berlin, Rennie's Senior Economist and Vice President of Intelligence. And as always, I'm joined in studio by Ryan Wise, Rennie's Market Intelligence Manager and Lead Analyst within our Intelligence Division. That's a mouthful, once mm-hmm. again. How's it going, <laughs> Mr. Wise? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. Good, good. It's Friday. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful fall day. Um, Ryan and I are thrilled to be joined by Rennie agent, what we call an advisor, Jeff Taylor. Jeff has been a realtor for 10 years, four-time member of the Medallion Club. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is great. We had a, a lovely pre-chat that we didn't record uh, before we started recording. So we'll try to what recapture fo- the magic. It was photo day here at Rennie. Mm. It was yeah. photo day. <laughs> we have, every day is photo day at Rennie, it seems. Yeah. But listen, very brief intro there. But Jeff, why don't you tell us how you've only been a realtor. I say only. I know only, that you're, only a decade. Oh, yeah. I know only that, yeah. a decade of experience. <laughs> I, I say a decade, but I know you were doing other stuff before that. So what brought you into real estate? Prior to being a realtor, I worked for 15 years in the advertising business. When I got into the business, I wanted to be in a creative environment uh, on the strategic side, not the design or copywriting side, but more on the strategic side. Uh, that's what I went to school for. Uh, I was working agency side, representing clients, working on strategic direction for clients and mm-hmm. that took me to Toronto where I lived for eight years uh, with my wife we had a, our son out there and kind of hit a moment where we said are we going to come back to Vancouver or are we going to stay in Toronto long term because uh, he was just starting school so we ended up transitioning back and and upon transitioning back to uh, Vancouver I said to my wife that I would only move back if I could become a real estate agent <laughs> Uh, Vancouver having a very strong and big real estate industry. It's, I mean, it's there in Toronto, but Toronto's got a whole bunch of other things going yeah. on too. And so, um, I just, I, I was ready to transition out of sort of the marketing and advertising industry. And I came here with the intent of applying the same strategic and creative rigor that we, that we use towards selling a stick of gum, uh, towards selling these multi-million dollar homes feeling that there might have been some sort of void maybe in how the overall industry was approached mm-hmm. saying yeah no one's gonna buy a house based on a picture on the side of a bus or or a flyer that they get in the mail and then very soon i'm putting flyers in the mail and putting my picture on the side of the bus so <laughs> tr- tried and trusted true it yeah yeah yep. so here we are today the three of us will be talking about all the goings on in our housing market across the region Interest rates will be a theme today, mm-hmm. um, but we also want to talk a bit about uh, the place where you live and where you do a lot of your, spend a lot of your professional time, uh, which is the North Shore in West Vancouver. So first up, we're going to discuss the ways in which high borrowing costs are not so much driving the market, uh, but are rather stalling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll focus on some good news. Good news, I think, if you're a homeowner, if you're a first-time home buyer, if you're a renter, if you are just a human being, you will appreciate that... From our perspective, we see that interest rates have peaked. So instead of leading off with a macro perspective on the market, Jeff, let's start with you. How was October? My October was was great. Well, I did a, a couple sales, which you know is always hey. great. And um, the market is it's interesting, and I'm not getting as many calls for showings, which is always 
a concern. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I do an open house, I have way more traffic than I would have in normal times. So what is that about? Do you think it's like more looky-loos or more people who are just going to visit more properties low-key? I think it's more people low-key it's a very now term, right? More people low key <laughs> shopping for homes. Right. And there's this idea that they don't want to either engage with their realtor or with a realtor because okay. maybe it makes it more real. Uh, but there's, there's always these buyers that I've noticed who are like, well, I'll come and look at your house, but let me know when you have another showing. Cause I don't want to put you out. So, so mm-hmm. they're, mm-hmm. but then they'll come and they'll, they'll piggyback a showing and they'll bring their mom and they'll buy the house two days later. <laughs> so they're far enough down the funnel to make a key decision, but they don't think they are. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what I'm finding with open house traffic is it's, there's a lot of very serious buyers, air quote, serious buyers who are not represented by a real estate agent because they are don't think they're serious, uh, but they are ready to go. So I wonder, like, do you think it, part of it is just the way the market is right now? Like in Vancouver, there's, you know, we've talked a lot about FOMO in the past on this podcast, the idea that people were so worried about missing out in, you know, 2021 and 2022 that right now people think they have so much time mm-hmm. that they're, even though they're serious, they're not serious because they think they have the luxury of taking as much time as they want. It's exactly that. It's the opposite. What's the opposite of FOMO? Fear of, fear of diving in? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's, uh, what is it? Not quite buyer's remorse, is it? Well, it's, we, we spoke about it before, just, you know, you go and buy a house with your wife and you then put in the, but you don't want to talk about it until it's kind of like being pregnant before three months. You don't want to talk about it with anybody, but mm-hmm. then, but then after the three months, you, all you want to do is talk about it. So once you put the deposit in, then you go to work, you let everyone know that you just bought a house. Right. And you don't want everyone to kind of look at you like you're an absolute idiot. What did you do? Where did you buy? I can't believe you did that. My uncle says that you could have got that house for, you know, $100,000 less if you had waited till February. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's the opposite of fear of missing. Okay. <laughs> right okay. Now. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's the, the buyer, the buyer mentality right now. There's an overall mentality I feel, uh, in the market where buyers are just, they feel like something's going to happen. That's going to be in their favor. That's going to be in the future. Yep. Yeah, I mean, this is fairly typical. This is a different type of market cycle, but it's fairly typical of market cycles um, where you have a segment of the would-be buyer sort of population that does sideline themselves because they're waiting, they're waiting. And and typically, it this market recovers quickly when it does recover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by recover, I mean you start to see sales activity ramp up and prices follow fairly quickly and it's and it's easy to get left behind um and so we've talked with other advisors on on the podcast about if you are somebody who's looking who's considering buying at any point in the next six months make sure you have a realtor make sure you have your financing sorted out like make sure you're ready to pull the trigger because you're probably going to need to move quickly if you are somebody who's inclined to wait a little bit especially if you're looking for a very particular property and you're waiting for the just the right one to come up so buyers are yeah maybe rightly or wrongly maybe feeling a little more empowered uh certain price points in certain neighborhoods right we have some data uh, about 
conditions in the market and how that's changed recently. Yeah, and I think if we just back up for a sec, we really didn't see that typical October. Uh, and again, it's because buyers are really sitting on the sidelines. So typically you see sales increase fair bit from September to October, like 8%. Uh, but they were down. We had fewer sales last October, this October than September, just over 2,900 sales. So, you know, a small decrease. But again, we, you typically see that October bump is it's normally the busiest month in the fall, the busiest month in the second half of the year, but those buyers aren't there. And then what typically transpires is a decrease in listings that we simply didn't get. We actually got listings grow last month instead of declining. And that's quite unusual for mm -hmm. October. So you can see that dynamic of there's a few more sellers out there and there's far fewer buyers. And so it was sort of counter seasonal that October. Yeah. And again, I think that goes back to what is overriding. The reason that we're not seeing that seasonality is that we have interest rates that the sort of Damocles um, that is just hanging above everybody. Um, and it's impacting the buy side and the sell side. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously it's obvious if you are a buyer, you're contemplating buying and you're using mortgage calculators. Um, the math doesn't look great for yeah, you. Yeah, the affordability is not there because prices aren't that much lower than they were a year and a half ago. They aren't. They aren't. And um, on the flip side, you now have, well, inventory overall is below the long run average and has been there for years. Um, so you might say in that sense, it's still constrained. Um, we are seeing at the margin uh, more... We are seeing distress, hearing about distressed listings. We know that people, whether they're renewing a fixed rate uh, mortgage or maybe even worse, renewing on their variable rate, where we hear, I mean, if you read the paper these days or whatever, news websites, <laughs> you see references to these negatively amortizing mortgages more and more and more. And it was something that came up. I think it was a year ago we were talking about yeah. it and then it kind of went away. It was just sort of a phenomenon that appeared and everyone went, what is that? We first noticed it in banks' financial statements when that's they right. commented on it. That's where it started to come out. And that situation arises, it's a, it's a wordy term, but that situation arises when you have a uh, variable rate mortgage and a fixed monthly payment and the interest component of your payment goes up and up and up as interest rates continue to rise and it gets to the point where you're actually you owe more interest on the, as part of the payment than you are actually paying. So that ex additional interest gets uh, accrued back into your uh, outstanding balance. Your principal is growing. So when you go to renew, you are now facing a larger payment because of higher interest rates than you were before, but you also are ap applying that to a larger principal. And that's terrifying for individuals who are in that situation and for banks and for the market. And the only, I mean, the only way to solve that is to increase your income dramatically, decrease your costs or have interest rates come Those down. Those are both really easy to yeah. yeah. by the way. Just, you just, <laughs> just do it. Believe it or not, believe it or not, the mm. Bank of Canada just conducted its quarterly survey of consumers. And one of the ways that, uh, one of the more prominent ways that people said that they were combating inflation and higher interest rates was to increase their income or get a promotion. So yeah. I, I want to talk to these people. Yes. Yeah, actually, that works. And right. I want to talk to you right. later. Yeah. <laughs> so usually for the sake of time, we end up talking about quote unquote, the market as a whole, but obviously the market isn't just the market. The market is lots of neighborhoods, it's price points, it's home types, it's all that stuff. So you know, when we can segment the market, spend some time talking about it in a segmented way. We like to, Rye, there's some data points that you dug up yeah. that I think you wanted to touch on. Yeah. And I think uh, it doesn't matter 
how you choose to segment the market, you kind of come to the same conclusion either way. So if you look at market conditions by home type, for example, uh, overall, we're in a balanced market. We use the months of inventory calculation. It's 5.7 right now, which is between five and eight is balanced. But detached homes are up in buyer's market territory, and then condos and townhomes are down in seller's market territory. So actually, none of the home types are balanced. Um, but if you do it by price point, you kind of get the same thing under 750K is deep seller's market, 750K to 1.5 balanced, 1.5 to 3 million is balanced. Above three is incredible buyer's market territory. Um, and you get similar stuff when you go to West Van. Um, West Van condos are in seller's market territory right now. And West Van detached homes are a great, uh, there's 17 months of inventory, buyer's market territory. I think it comes back to, again, affordability price point where so much of demand has been kind of compressed at the lower price points. It's still, there's still transactions happening. People need, some people need to buy a home. And so mm -hmm. they're, they're sort of getting compressed down to those lower price points. And there's a lot more opportunities at the higher price points for buyers. And I think also that market can be different uh, at any point in time. So Jeff, I'd love to hear your take on that over $3 million market. I know that's a big, a prominent part of the West Van market. You know, it does always behave a bit differently, um, but what are you seeing out there right now? Um, so there's there's a couple of things there. The, I mean, first of all, that I think in West Vancouver, the condo market is a very, very small aisle. It's a very small point of sale stand mm -hmm. in the grocery store of real estate in West Vancouver. So um, there's just, there's very little inventory available. If every single condo came up for sale in West Vancouver, it would be a very small number. So, mm -hmm. and I think there's a fair amount of demand because, you know, if the, those who live in West Vancouver would argue that they have reached the top of the pyramid. And so if you are living in a detached house at the top of the pyramid, you're not going to move to a different pyramid. You want to stay in that, at the top of the pyramid, right? So where are you going to go from there? And that lack of moving is a it's a it's a bigger deal it's a bigger conversation i actually think uh then mm -hmm. then goes even beyond our topic of conversation here with respects to interest rates and the current market conditions an interesting thing that i did recently is i took a look at um the four to six million dollar category in west vancouver active listings sold so um at, at the time that i pulled the numbers uh, there were 135 active listings in that, um, in that category from four to 6 million. Uh, yet if you took out everything that had been on the market for 60 days or longer, there were actually only 25 active mm. listings. So this idea that there's all this inventory, if you kind of take things out of the market that have been listed for, uh, three months, six months, a year. And there are homes that have been listed for six months, a year, yeah. a year and a half, two years. If you take those out, you don't necessarily have this large pool of active listings to shop for. So when you're working with a buyer or you've got buyers who are looking in specific category, sometimes it's only three or four homes. Well, and also, you know, the way that people search, you know, it might be a daily ritual every evening with a glass of wine, you could head on to rennie.com and you know see, you'll see what's new like what's popped up and mm -hmm. to your point there in that in that scenario there's there's probably not a lot of new listings that are piquing people's interest right and stimulating a visit to 
the neighborhood. Correct. And, and some of those stale listings will be because it's a building lot or it's priced unrealistically or, you know, there's a number of reasons why it's been sitting on the market. Some of them, long. yeah, a lot of them were priced unrealistically based on they were purchased unrealistically at a time when maybe it was a frenzy or there was a competition or there was speculation happening. And then five years later, we're kind of right now. And, you know, the expectation is that real estate appreciates generally over time. So that's that. And so it has to be a higher price. And there we go. That's why it's the, the pricing expectation is where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, of the 25, I'm saying 25, 20, however many it is, it's about 20% yeah. of the active market at the time that I pulled in that category, the four to six category. Um, those homes are actually selling quite fast. And so if you have something that is fantastic or a box ticker or priced right, it seems and appears to be selling quite fast because there is a, there is a strong sense of buyer. There's a strong sense of the buyer pool uh, who are looking and, and, and given the fact that there are a lot of sort of older listings, even if they keep getting relisted and then they, they come up on the charts as active listings, yeah. uh, they, um, the, 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 the true new fresh listings uh, are actually, it seem, to, seem and appear to be doing quite well and sell fa- fairly fast. And we're talking 10 days to, to 30 days. Maybe we want to take this opportunity to segue to uh, the second part of this episode and just spend a few minutes on uh, talking about interest rates in the Bank of Canada and some of their meeting minutes, which were just yeah. released from their October 25th meeting. And I know that sounds really dry. Yeah. <laughs> Let's the talk Bank about of Canada minutes. summary deliberations from their October 25th governor's meeting. You will be forgiven if you did not read these like we did. (laughs) Um, They are very dry, but there are some really important points in there that I think we should talk about, especially if you just read the headlines from the news articles that came out of it, which I think were quite misleading. After their announcement on of, of no, no after rate. the after the summary deliberations were released, ah, okay. all the major media outlets said Bank of Canada is split on whether rate hikes will need to continue or not. But what they actually said was essentially some of their members, they didn't say how many, viewed the most like I'm gonna read the quote here, viewed the most likely scenario as one where a 5% policy rate would be sufficient to get inflation back to the 2% target, provided it was maintained long enough, which is literally the for the first time ever, they're acknowledging some of their members feel they've already peaked and they've already done enough. They just need to hold for a little bit longer. That's new from them. They've been very hawkish in their language intentionally. And we've talked a lot about that being about inflation expectations. But I think this is really important because they're publicly admitting that at least some number of them feel like they've, they're already done hiking. And that's something we haven't heard before. That makes a lot of sense when you look at how interest rates have, the, more specifically, the uh, the rising borrowing costs of the past now 20 months mm-hmm. um, have impacted things like the housing market. I mean, very clearly, um, there's less activity. There's more uncertainty. Um, it's impacting developer decisions to uh, proceed with projects or to launch a project and essentially bring new supply to a market when conditions look the way that they do now. And we also know more broadly speaking that interest rates are starting to slow the economy more more generally. 
And when we look at the labor market, we see the unemployment rate uh, nationally, which is really what the Bank of Canada is looking at when it comes to the labor market, not, not regional markets. That's been increasing more or less for the past six to seven months. We have more people who are unemployed. Job growth seems to be slowing. Wage growth, jury's out on. Yeah, uh, and there could be some noise there with layoffs. If they're coming at lower wage jobs, then average wages can actually go up just because of the composition. So there could be some noise there as well. Yeah. Um, and retail spending is down. Retail spending, per capita retail spending has been moving downwards for many months now. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I guess let's let's not forget, inflation has come down majorly. Right? Mm-hmm. And we, we just saw data out of the U.S. Uh, that came out this week uh, that showed an annual inflation rate there that is at 3.2%. Yeah, and their so, core measures declined as well. So these are all positive signs and, and they're things you'd expect to see when interest rates are where they are given where they were a year and a half yeah, ago. It's just taking a bit of time. There's a lagging effect. And we know that the mortgage market here in Canada has not fully absorbed where interest rates are. And when I say that, I really mean that in 2024, 2025, and even into 2026, you're going to have the bulk of uh, borrowers renewing their mortgage, whether it's a variable rate or fixed rate. Yeah. Remember how many people bought in 2021 or refinanced in 2021? Most sales ever locally, nationally, along with a ton of refinancing. And so many of those people took five-year fixed and they're coming up in 2026. Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's headwinds uh, out in front of us still to be It's a long ways away. It is. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because we talk about buyer mentality and one of the things that I'm finding is in other slower markets, buyers are waiting for the right product. So it's, you know, they're looking for a specific type of house or they're looking for a specific type of condo. And it's not really out there because the, you know, the inventory levels are pretty thin. And so, and inventory, and that's, that's your typical kind of slow market um, buyer mentality. Uh, and, and then it gets hot and the buyer mentality is buy anything, just go get it. Because if I don't get this, then the next one's going to be, you know, X percent higher. And all of a sudden I'll be on the outside looking in. And that's that FOMO that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Whereas now there's this buyer mentality that there's going to be this moment when everyone's mortgage is going to come up for renewal and they're just going to sell their house and everything is going to be a million dollars cheaper. And I don't know when that moment's going to happen. I don't know. It's going to be like in February, right? And so it's it's hard to balance because I meet a lot of people who are like, well, I'm going to wait for that. And I'm like, ah, I don't know that that, air quotes again, is going to happen that way. Well, you know, undoubtedly there will be scenarios where homeowners, I mean, we're, we've already seen it and we're likely to see more scenarios where homeowners, either they... They strictly cannot afford the new payment or it's too much of a burden. Hey, they were going to downsize in two years anyway, or they were going to move to a different market anyway, and they're going to accelerate that process. But I think banks have no interest in owning people's homes. Mm -hmm. And I think that you are going to see a slower economy generally because people will renew at a higher rate. They'll pay a bit more and it's going to squeeze out spending on some other things, but they're going to stay in their home. And Mm -hmm. they might stretch out their amortization and do other things. Yeah. But also to circle back to the Bank of Canada then, knowing all of this and knowing that they don't 
their intention is not to plunge the economy into recession. They're, what they've been trying to do is corral inflation. We're getting very close to being able to say that we have largely corralled inflation. So I think the bank knows everything we've just talked about. I hope they also know that the price of an apple is $2. And I cannot <laughs> wait for that apple to be a dollar again. <laughs> One apple. Well, so that, you know, Jeff, that's wait, an interesting wait, point. where are you buying apples? <laughs> West Vancouver. Yeah. I was buying a lot of butter for my Christmas baking, and I was pleased to see the price of butter has come back down. That's good. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, though, you know, I think there's this expectation, just like with people's expectations about the housing market and prices coming down. Inflation is about how fast prices are rising. We're, nobody is forecasting deflation. So you might, on a product basis, you know, see the price of something come down and hopefully real for your sake, kill. real vibe yeah. kill on the apple. I, the no, apple. I hope okay. switch to a different type of apple. I, like, that's yeah, a good idea. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, you know, if galas are North doing Bend. this, get a Macintosh. Macintosh is, yeah. I am, I am, we're going all Macintosh okay. now. I think that's <laughs> no more gala. <laughs> but listen, prices, life is going to be as expensive as it is now. Generally, you know, going forward, what we, what we're, what the bank's trying to do is, is have it be so that it's not getting so much more expensive of all the time and so i just wanted to sort of wrap things up by saying that um you know your point rye about the um the board of governors you know being split on whether we're at peak rates or not um i think the bank's really starting to understand that rates are going to need to come back down they don't want to stay with a five percent policy rate they're going to want to get it back to what they consider to be quote unquote neutral which might be anywhere from you know, 2.75 to 3.25, so call it three. They're going to shave 200 basis points off of this rate in a manner that doesn't stoke the economy so much that we see inflation rear its head again. It's a nice headline, and it's nice to hear this sort of back-channel discussion um, as it will feed to people's feeds. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I've noticed over, you know, a couple different sales cycles is I always get really worried when it's a hot market. And then you start to see the the newspaper articles saying this house sold for two million dollars, and I'm like, okay, that's a problem, you know. Um, yeah. That's that's when everything shifts. That's when it like and it turns and it turns that week. Yeah. Everyone reads that newspaper article yeah, and goes, right. wait a second, right. that house for that price, bonkers. I'm out, yeah. and they all pull back immediately. So so the headlines are a big part of what fuels the buyer mindset. So it's great to hear that there's some some back 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 backroom conversations mm-hmm. about the tone. Yes. So that perhaps that tone can start to filter into the household general discussions. Absolutely. Yeah. Right, so that was a great chat. Loved it. And however long this episode is, it was for us probably double that length because of our <laughs> chat before we actually started recording. So it's just lovely way to spend the afternoon. So thank you, Amazing. Jeff. Thank you. The two topics that we covered today to recap were that high boring costs are not so much driving the market as they are stalling it. And we reviewed the welcome news coming out of the Bank of Canada's uh, Board of Governors meeting minutes that interest rates may be on their way down sooner than later. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for being here with us today. Uh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to? Uh, I'm on the Instagram, uh, Jeff Real Estate, Jeff with a G. It's G E O F F. And uh, my phone number is 604 908 0800. Those are probably the two best ways to get in touch with me. If you see one of my listings, you can touch base me. 
Uh, I'm okay with that method of uh, reach out for realtors and, uh, or you could Google me and find out. And I'm always up, I'm always up for a chat about uh, the North Shore and uh, any other market across the greater Vancouver. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for being with us, Jeff. Yeah, thanks for thanks. having me. Thank okay, you. It's awesome. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out our latest Renny review and other intelligence information on rennycom slash intelligence. To be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox, please register for intelligence updates. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com. Thank you.